Let's listen to the recitation of this ayah. أَوَمَنْ كَانَ مَيْتًا فَأَحْيَيْنَاهُ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُ نُورًا يَمْشِي بِهِ فِي النَّاسِ كَمَنْ مَثَلُهُ كَمَنْ مَثَلُهُ فِي الظُّلُمَاتِ لَيْسَ بِخَارِجٍ مِنْهَا كَذَلِكَ زُيِّنَ لِلْكَافِرِينَ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ So a person who was in darkness didn't know any better. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him light, gave him guidance, gave him that confidence so that he is comfortable with the deen. And he doesn't feel shy, he doesn't hesitate practicing the deen no matter where he or she is. Even if they are among strangers or people who will criticize them openly or behind their back. Still, they are confident about the deen. Such a person, has he been granted a huge blessing? Yeah? Is it a blessing? Of course it's a blessing. Because you could know about something that is really good for you. But if you don't have the confidence to practice it, then what good is that knowledge? So if a person has been granted the knowledge and the ability to practice it, to benefit himself with it, then it is really a huge blessing of Allah. So when a person has been granted light by Allah, this guidance by Allah, then they should be grateful to Allah for the blessing of the deen. And they should never look back and say, oh I miss those days, you know, when I used to do this wrong and that wrong when I used to eat this and this food, which is not halal, now I don't do it, but I used to do it back then, and I missed those days. No. He's grateful for how he or she is now. Yes, you know, what happened in the past, it had its benefits. However, in the long run, it doesn't have benefits. So if you've left it, it is for a good reason. So be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the guidance that you've been given, and for the new life that Allah has granted you. وَكَذَلِكَ And thus, جَعَلْنَا We have made فِي in كُلِّ every قَرْيَةٍ Nation City People And قَرْيَة is basically used for a population. Okay? For a population. Because it's from the word قَرَى which is تَجَمُّر To gather up together. So it is when people are living together. So it's not just a family here and a family there. No, it's many people. So it refers to a population. Whether that population is of 15 people, 50 people, 500,000 people, how much ever, doesn't matter. So, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَا فِي كُلِّ قَرْيَةٍ We have placed in every city, in every community, in every population, meaning in the past and in the present and in the future, who? A kabir. Greatest ones. Mujrimiha, it's criminals. Akabir is the plural of Akbar. And who is Akbar? Greatest. So the greatest people of that population, greatest in the sense that those who are the most influential, those with the most money, those with the most power and authority, so such people became who? Mujrimiha, it's criminals. Plural of the word mujrim. Who is mujrim? One who commits crime. One who is sinful, disobedient to Allah. 
So when the greatest people, the elite, the leaders of that nation, they became the criminals, what did they do? لِيَمْكُرُوا So that they plot fiha in it. Plot? Plot against who? Against the messenger, against the warner. So for example, we learned that زُخْرُ الْقَوْلِ Right? It is false propaganda is spread against the Prophet of Allah. Why? So that the people are turned away from believing. They don't accept him, they don't follow him, they become doubtful about the truth, so they turn away from it. And think about it, if there is a person who doesn't have a high status in the society, if he says, so and so is wrong, don't listen to him, don't bother to go to him, would you pay much attention to the saying of this person? No. Why? Because they don't know any better, they're just ordinary. But if someone who is influential, someone who has money, someone who has power, who is considered as a leader of that society, if he says, don't go to such and such person, do not do such and such, will people follow them? Yes. These days, it's kind of different. Because, you know, people, even they will oppose their leaders. Why? Because of the freedom of speech, freedom of expression that people have today. But back then, we see that people, they were on the religion of their leaders. So whatever religion a leader observed, that is what his people also did. Whatever the elite of the society, they did, the rest of the people followed them. They imitated them. And to some extent, we see this existing today as well. That for example, if there is a person and 50,000 people follow him, they like him, he goes, gets a haircut done, everybody well will follow him, right? They wear a certain kind of a badge or something, everybody will follow them, right? They will support a particular cause, everybody will follow them, they will also support that cause. So we see this present today as well. But back then, in history, we see that this was more prevalent. So the leaders of the people, the elite of the society, they're the ones who plotted against the religion of Allah. They're the ones who came up with objections against the Prophet, against the revelation. And the rest of the people, they said, yes, of course, this makes sense. So do what they're saying and do not do what the Prophet is telling. So for example, the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, when he was in Mecca, soon after he received revelation, we learned that at the time of Hajj, he would go around at Mina, calling the people to Tawheed, to the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Going around saying, Ya ayyuhannas, qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu. O people, say la ilaha illallah and you will be successful. And right behind him would be his uncle, Abu Lahab, a mushrik, a leader, a chief, an elite of that society. And he would be going around following the Prophet ﷺ saying, you know, our nephew, he's a liar, we don't believe in him, he has humiliated us, such derogatory remarks about the Prophet ﷺ so that people wouldn't pay any attention to Muhammad ﷺ. They would say, yeah, this man, perhaps he's under magic, he's influenced by the devils, you know, he's gone crazy, so don't listen to him. So, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَا فِي كُلِّ قَرْيَةٍ أَكَابِرًا مُجْرِمِيهَا لِيَمْكُرُوا فِيهَا So they're the ones who plotted against the prophets of Allah, against the truth. So we see that the prophets of Allah, they faced great opposition. Great opposition. Imagine Musa a.s. He didn't have to go to the Egyptians. He had to go to who? Fir'aun. Imagine, someone of such a high status, someone who was so proud and arrogant, someone who did whatever he wanted, 
Imagine Musa alayhi salam had to go and speak to him. This is the opposition that the prophets of Allah faced in the past. Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us about this? That if today somebody says one negative remark about you, don't take it to heart. Don't get discouraged. Think about what the prophets of Allah went through. Today it's possible that an elder in the family, you know someone who's elder in the family, everybody looks up to them, everybody respects them, and whatever they say, it goes. They may disapprove of what you've decided to do. And because of that, you feel completely disheartened. You feel disheartened. But don't feel disheartened. Keep going. Once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has opened up your heart to something, He has given you the blessing of guidance, then stick to it. Even if people are opposing you. Think about what the prophets of Allah went through. And remember that when people plot against the truth, then in reality, what are they doing? وَمَا and not يَمْكُرُونَ They plot إِلَّا except بِأَنفُسِهِمْ With themselves. Because someone who digs a hole for another, he falls in it. He is the one who gets hurt eventually. Anyone who intends to harm others, what happens to him? He is the one who suffers harm at the end of the day. And it happens many times that what goes around, comes around. What you do to somebody else, the same thing happens to you. You know, for example, some people, they don't want that a certain person in the family should think positively about a certain individual. So for example, children. People want them to think that your grandmother is the most evil person in this world. Hmm? That your aunt, she did this and she did that. So those little innocent children with clean hearts, their hearts are filled with hatred hmm? and negative feelings for their relatives. But what happens? As these children, they grow up, they see who really loves them and who doesn't love them. Right? And at the end of the day, they're the ones who hate the people who you know, put hatred in their heart for others. So many times it happens that when a person does wrong to someone else, that same wrong happens to him. When a person harms others, then he is the one who suffers. وَمَا يَمْكُرُونَ إِلَّا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ And they do not even realize that. So what's the lesson? That no matter who is opposing you, no matter how great they may be, don't worry. If they're opposing you, they're plotting against you, they're trying to harm you, remember that they're in reality harming themselves. And if in this world you do suffer, remember that this dunya, this world is temporary anyway. In Surah Nuh, Ayah 22, we learn that the people of Nuh kubara. they plotted a mighty plot against Nuh Meaning all the people, they gathered up against him, especially the leaders, the elite. وَإِذَا and when جَاءَتْهُمْ It came to them, آيَةٌ إِسَائِنْ Or in ayah, a verse, قَالُوا they said. Meaning, when the Prophet of Allah tells the people, especially the akabir, the leaders, he tells them about, you know, a command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a verse that Allah has revealed, a message that has been sent to them. قَالُوا they said. What was their response? لَن never نُؤْمِنَ We believe حَتَّى until نُؤْتَى We are given. مِثْلَ Like مَا That which أُوْتِيَ He was given رُسُلْ Messengers Allahi of Allah. Meaning when the truth is presented to them, they say, we're never going to believe in it 
until the same is given to us. So you say, Jibreel comes to you, bringing revelation, and that is the reason why you're presenting these verses to us. Well, we will only believe in the Qur'an if Jibreel comes to us as well. And he brings the revelation of Allah to us. If he brings it to us, then yes, we will believe in you. Otherwise, we're not going to believe in you. Why did they say this? This was basically their objection that they raised out of pure arrogance. Because they did not want to acknowledge Muhammad ﷺ as a prophet of Allah. Because if they acknowledged him as the prophet of Allah, then what would they be accepting? His greatness over them. That it would mean that they have to listen to him. They have to acknowledge the fact that Allah chose him and not somebody else. So immediately his status would be greater than the rest of the people. But the Akabir, they usually consider themselves to be very great. Right? They are proud of themselves. So they said, we're not going to believe until we are given the same thing. Until we are also chosen as messengers. Until Allah sends the angels to us as well. Until these miracles are granted to us as well. If they're given to us, then we will believe. Otherwise, we're not believing. This is just like a person saying to a president, I'm never going to acknowledge you as a president until I am also given the same rights that a president has. Come on. This is foolishness. Who do you think you are? Everybody cannot be president. There can only be one president. And you have to acknowledge his authority over you if you want the system to run properly. And if you want to be a part of this system. And if you don't want to be a part of this system, you're more than welcome to leave. But demanding that you have the same rights, you have the same privileges as that of the president, that doesn't make any sense at all. And who would say such a thing? That we should also have the same rights and privileges. Someone who thinks really highly of themselves. Right? They think that they are great, that they are better than the other person. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allahu, Allah, a'lamu, most knowing. Haisu, where, yaj'alu. He puts risalata, or he places risalata, his messengership. Meaning he knows who to grant prophethood to. Risala, what does risala mean? Prophethood. Because risala basically is to convey messages. So the prophet is given the responsibility of conveying the message to others. And messages are delivered to him as well. So Allah says over here that he knows best who to appoint as a prophet. That what do these people think of themselves? That they are deserving of prophethood? No, they're not. If they were deserving of prophethood, Allah would have given it to them. And if Allah did not give it to them, it means that they are not deserving of it. Who is deserving of it? Muhammad ﷺ. Think about it. If there's any you know, certain position that has to be given to a person, a person has to be selected for some work. Sometimes there are 50 applicants. Sometimes there are over 600 applicants. Isn't it? Sometimes there are in thousands literally. Who is selected? Who is chosen? The best one, meaning the person whom the people think that yes, he is the most qualified. He will do this work in the best way. Out of all the people, he will do this work in the best way. So this is the reason why they select him. Now out of all the people of the world, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knew that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, He would do this work the best. I have a question for you. Did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make the right decision? Of course He did. Every decision that Allah makes is the right one, the best one, the most correct one. Why? Because it is based upon His complete knowledge. And when we see how Muhammad ﷺ conveyed the message, it proves that yes, he was really the most deserving person. Because there are people today as well who say that the angel Jibreel was actually sent to Ali radiallahu anhu. But he got mistaken. An angel went to Muhammad ﷺ. So actually, Ali radiallahu anhu was supposed to be the messenger. But by accident, who became the messenger? Muhammad ﷺ. Now, come on, this is not a joke. Allah sending the most trustworthy angel, you think that angel would make a mistake? And if he made a mistake, you think Allah would not correct that? Of course he would correct that. And think about it, Muhammad ﷺ, the determination that he had. Imagine 13 years of persecution in Mecca. So much time in Medina. Spent in defending, in applying their religion, in spreading the deen, the wisdom that he had, the way, you know, people would be attracted to him, they would listen to him, you know, how effective his words were, that they would touch the hearts of people, that within moments literally, people who hated him the most would begin to love him the most. And remember that time when the Prophet ﷺ asked the people who were in thousands, that have I conveyed and what did they say? Yes, you have. You have conveyed. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Oh Allah, bear witness. So what does that show? That the Prophet ﷺ was indeed the most suitable person for this position. Allahu a'lamu haythu yaj'alu risalatah. And there were some mushrikeen of Makkah. They said that how come so and so a person has not been given prophethood. Because this person has so much wealth, people look up to him, they respect him, he has over 10 sons, you know like worldly standards for greatness, that's what they had. And these few individuals, they fulfilled those standards. So this is the reason they said, how come this person or that person has not been appointed as a messenger of Allah? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allahu a'lamu haythu yaj'alu risalata. He knows who should be granted prophethood. He knows where the message should be placed. He knows. And likewise, if people have any objections today, why was the last prophet from the Arabs? Why 1400 years ago? Why from Makkah? Again, Allah knows best. Even now there's a lot of people who uh, analyze the life of the Prophet and they have seen how he was the most effective leader in the spiritual and worldly sense and how he was great to his companions, to the people around him. Uh, People make these uh, false judgments about the Prophet without actually looking at his life and seeing how much he accomplished and thinking about themselves that, wow, I could have never ever done something like this. Nobody could have done that. Imagine within 23 years, the entire scene of Arabia changed. The people who were divided up by tribalism, 
you know, waging war against one another. Their only concern was their animals and their lives and whom they have killed and how much strength they have and how much poetry they can say and whose children they are and how many children they have. That was all their concern. And now they became completely different. Completely different. The Prophet ﷺ, literally he caused heroes to come about. Each companion of the Prophet ﷺ turned out to be a hero. I mean, think about Umar anhu. What was he before Islam? And what he became afterwards? So many companions, what were they before? And what they became after Islam? So, Allah knows where to place His message. سَيُصِيبُ Soon it will reach. Who? الَّذِينَ Those people who أَجْرَمُوا They committed crime. Which crime is this? Of pride. Of raising such objections against the Prophet ﷺ. What will reach them? Sagarun, humiliation, disgrace, debasement. Sagar is from the root letter Sad Rain Ra. Sagura, Sagir. What does that mean? To be small. So Sagar is to become small, to be humiliated. So these people who think of themselves as very mighty and very great, and this is why they demand so much, what will reach them? Humiliation. Allah near Allah. And that's what happened. Abu Jahl, what happened to him? Abu Lahab, what happened to him? Abu Lahab, imagine how arrogant he was and how he passed away. What a terrible death he suffered. Abu Jahl also. All of these great leaders who consider themselves to be very mighty men. If you look at the seerah, you will learn about what miserable deaths they died. That some of them, when they passed away, their bodies smelled so horrible that their children even did not want to go near that body. And then the people, they reprimanded them that look, your father, his body is just laying there. Do something about that body. So they hired slaves. Imagine hiring slaves of other people to go and you know toss that body in a ditch because even they wouldn't want to touch that body. Sagarun عند Allah. Imagine humiliation near Allah. وَعَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ And severe punishment. Why? بِمَا كَانُوا يَمْكُرُونَ Because they used to plot. So all this plotting against the Prophet of Allah, to humiliate the Prophet of Allah, what happens at the end? That those very people are humiliated. And this is true even today. Any person who tries to humiliate the Messenger of Allah, at the end of the day, he will be humiliated. This is the promise of Allah. This is what we learn in this ayah. سَيُصِيبُ الَّذِينَ أَجْرَمُوا صَغَارٌ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ وَعَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ بِمَا كَانُوا يَمْكُرُونَ In Surah Al-Muddathir, Ayah 52, we learn, بَلْ يُرِيدُ كُلُّ مْرِئٍ مِّنْهُمْ أَنْ يُؤْتَى صُحُفًا مُنَشَّرًا Every person among them, every person among them, he desires that he should be given scriptures spread about. And if he is given the scripture, then he will believe. But that's not the way of Allah. Who do you think you are? that the angel should come to you and bring you a written scripture so that you, your majesty would believe. No, that's not the way of Allah. فَمَنْ So whoever, يُرِدْ He intends. Who intends? Allahu Allah. So whoever Allah intends for. يُرِدْ is from irada, rawaudal intention. So whoever Allah intends for, meaning Allah intends for him, what? On that, Yahdiyahu, He guide him. Whoever Allah intends to guide, then what happens? Yashrah, He expands. He 
opens up. Sadrahu, his chest, lil Islam for Islam. Yes. Assalamualaikum. There's a politician, he's Dutch, I think. He's somewhere in Eastern Europe. He was very actively and vocally against Islam, especially in you know allowing them to practice in his country. But this ayat about Allah opens the chest of whoever he wills. This politician who was so actively against Islam, he decided one day to go to a masjid to see what you know Muslims do. And alhamdulillah, he went in the morning, he stayed the entire day, and he accepted Islam. Yes. And now he promotes Islam. And it happens with many people that they are literally the most you know staunchest opponents of Islam, of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But what happens? Allah subhanahu wa taala guides them. How that He opens up their heart to Islam. The heart that was closed, that would just cringe and close at the mention of Allah, at the mention of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, at the mention of Islam. That same heart, it expands. It opens up. Yashrah sadrahu lil Islam. Now the word yashrah is from the root letters sheen ra ha, sheen ra ha. And sharh is to cut open something. To cut open something. What does sharh mean? To cut open something. And in particular, it is to cut open meat. Have you ever seen big pieces of meat? Like for example, if you go to a butcher's shop or something, like you see a big piece of meat, alright? For example, it's the leg, right? Or it's the tenderloin or something like that. It's a huge piece of meat. So how do you think they cut it up into small pieces? If they cut it up just like that, it would be extremely difficult. So what they do is that they slit it from the side and they open it up and they expand it. This is what sharh means. That the huge piece of meat that was closed, you slit it, alright? And as you slit it, you're able to open it up. And as you open it, some pieces come off and others, they become bigger. And when they become bigger, then you can just cut them up into smaller portions. Just a small video over here for you to see. The next step is to separate the cap. This is a great piece of meat that can be cut up and used in stir fries. So you see how it's being split open. So sometimes a knife is used, sometimes hands are used depending on the cut of meat. So the piece of meat that was closed, now it is opened up. And then you can just cut it off. The head also needs to be removed. Watch this carefully. Loosen it first with your fingers, then use a knife. Be careful to follow the shape of the tenderloin. Sharh. Set it aside. This is sharh. Later. This is sharh. This scene, this is what sharh is. Hmm? Okay. So it was closed, and then it slit and expanded, opened up. The person who didn't want to listen, had no idea, was ignorant about Islam, ignorant of the Prophet ﷺ. What happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends to guide him and he opens up his heart to Islam. I want you to think about Umar How he stepped out one day with his sword, looking for the Prophet ﷺ to just kill him off so that all this fitna that has spread about in Mecca, it can just come to an end. So what happened? He went with the intention to kill the Prophet ﷺ. Allah intended to guide him. Why? The Prophet ﷺ made dua, right? That Allah guide one of the two Umars. So 
What happened? He heard the recitation of the Qur'an and his heart opened up. It expanded. يَشْرَحْ صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ And I want you to picture something that's closed and then it opens. You know, when something is closed, it's like tensed up, right? And when it's opened, it's relaxed. It's relaxed. Imagine like your arms are closed. Open them up, you're relaxed. Yes, a flower. Right, how it is closed, and then as it opens up, when it blooms, you see all the petals coming apart, right? So, يَشْرَحْ صَدْرَهُ Islam. Now, when something is closed, can you put something inside? No, you can't. But as it opens up, then what happens? Then you can put something inside, right? So, when a person's heart is closed, he doesn't understand about Allah. He doesn't understand about the Prophet ﷺ, about the Qur'an, about what Allah has revealed. Nothing makes sense to him. Right? When they think of Islam, they think, why is polygamy allowed in Islam? Why are women supposed to cover themselves? Right? And just the thought of women having to cover themselves, you know, that itself disturbs them. It doesn't make sense to them. No ruling of Islam makes sense to them. But once Allah opens up their heart, then they're able to accept every ruling. And even if they don't fully comprehend it, at the end of the day, what did they say? This is from my Lord, and I accept it. So then they're able to accept it. Because remember, there could be a person who says he's Muslim, but he doesn't have sharh sadr. When he doesn't have sharh sadr, then he objects at every command of Islam. He doesn't accept it. He rejects it. He commits kufr literally. So whoever Allah intends to guide, يَشْرَحْ صَدْرَهُ Islam. He begins to love Islam. His heart opens up. It becomes expansive. It has space now to accept the commands of Allah, to have love for Allah, to have fear of Allah. Because when it was closed, it couldn't have any of that. Woman and whoever, yurid, he intends, on that yudillahu, he sends him astray. Whoever Allah intends to send astray, send astray in the sense that Allah allows him to go astray, he lets him remain on misguidance, then what happens? Because at the end of the day, people have the choice. If they want guidance, Allah will open up their heart for them. And if they don't want that guidance, Allah is not going to force it on them. He's going to let them stray. So what happens to them? Yaj'al, he makes sadrahu, his chest, dayyqan, tight, constricted, tight. Harajan, dayyq, tight, harajan, constricted. كَأَنَّمَا as if يَصَعَدُ He is ascending فِي السَّمَاءِ in the sky. What does it mean by this? ضَيِّق is from the root letters ضَاد يَا قَاف And ضَيِّق is the opposite of وَاسِر. What is وَاسِر? Vast, open, wide. And ضَيِّق, tight, narrow, constricted, cramped. Now, when a place is small, it is ضيق. And when a place is big, it is wasir. Right? And being wasir and constricted is not according to the size of a place only, but it's also according to what's inside that place. For example, this hall compared to your bedroom in your house is definitely wasir. However, with so many people in this hall, the same hall becomes what? Constricted. And you go to your room, 
it's very small, but nobody's inside and you relax because there's nobody there. Right? So their chest becomes full of bias, negativity, ignorance, right? Zukhruf al-Qawl. So as a result, they have no place for Islam. They're full of love for this world. They believe in other false things. They have other goals. So as a result, the heart is full of that. When it's full of that, it's cramped, it's constricted. There's no room for Islam. There's no room for the love of Allah. You know, like you have only 24 hours in a day. And if you fill those hours with sleep, with hanging out, with fun, with watching movies, with just sitting and relaxing, then yes, you will be too busy to spare five minutes to pray salah. You will be too busy to spare 15 minutes to recite the Qur'an. Why? Because your time is filled up with other things. So you have no time for other important things. Right? So just like that, their sadr becomes dayyq, tight, narrow, constricted, haraj. Haraj means constricted and tight as well. And haraj, immediately after dayyq, what does that do? It emphasizes you know, how narrow and tight their heart becomes. Haraj, literally, haraja. Umar anhu, he once asked a Bedouin, that what is haraja? Because the Bedouins, they knew the language the best. Alright? So he asked a Bedouin what haraja was. The Bedouin said, haraja is a tree or a shrub, okay, that is surrounded by other trees. Okay? So imagine like, a forest or something, or imagine a whole lot of shrubs, and the one in the middle, the one in the middle, no one can reach it. No one can reach it. Because the people, what they would do is, they would use their sticks in order to lower the branches, or in order to hit the tree so that the leaves would fall, and then their animals could eat. If you've ever seen animals grazing, for example, goats, what do they do? They use their tongue to reach far in order to grab the leaves, right? But haraja is a shrub or a tree, something like that, that is in the middle, so nothing can reach it. Nothing can reach it. No person can reach it, no animal can reach it, no sheep's tongue can reach it, no stick can reach it, you just can't access it. You can't access it, because it's literally stuck in the middle. You know how like sometimes, if there's a fruit tree, right? And there's a fruit that is hanging towards the top. What do people try to do? They try to get it by jumping out at it, by using a chair or a ladder or something, by throwing stones at it. But it is just too high. They cannot reach it. So at the end of the day, they're like, you know what? Forget it. We can't reach it. We can't get it. This is what haraja is. So, so tight, you know, surrounded by others that you can't reach it, you can't change it. So, يَجْعَلْ صَدْرَهُ ضَيِّقًا حَرَجًا He makes his chest tight, narrow, cramped, constricted. كَأَنَّمَا as if يَصَعَدُ فِي السَّمَاءِ يَصَعَدُ صَادْعِينَ دَال Su'ud is to climb, to go up. Alright? And يَصَعَدُ is to climb with a lot of difficulty. Imagine if a person is climbing, with a lot of difficulty, what would happen to the chest? What would happen to the chest? You're breathing heavily, right? And then you're gasping for air because you're so tired. So you need to stop, take a break, right? Let your breath calm down, and then continue your journey upwards, right? But if you don't take that break, what's going to happen? 
as you're going up, as you're climbing, your chest, it will become narrow. It will become very difficult for you to take every breath. Assalamualaikum. When climbing mountains or you know places that are higher above sea level, it is actually true that there's less oxygen in the yes. air. So you're automatically breathing harder. Yes. So because there's less oxygen, you're breathing harder anyway. And then on top of that, you are climbing up, whether it's with a ladder or with a rope, or you're crawling up, or literally you are walking up. And imagine, يَصَعَدُوا فِي السَّمَاءِ A person is just climbing, 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 climbing towards the sky. Imagine the state of his chest. This is how tight the heart of a person becomes when Allah does not intend guidance for him. Then no matter what he is shown, no matter what he is explained, he is just too concerned about breathing himself. He doesn't care about anything else. كَأَنَّمَا يَصَعَدُ فِي السَّمَاءِ And imagine a person who is finding it hard to breathe, it's as though he is suffocating, right? He's not able to breathe. So he's suffocating. So what happens to such people is that when the Qur'an is mentioned, you know, they get the suffocating feeling. They're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear it. They get bored. It just makes them upset and angry. And they become unhappy. They're like, close this book. Stop talking about this. Why are you talking about you know, the hereafter or death? I don't want to hear this. كَأَنَّمَا يَصَعَدُ فِي السَّمَاءِ كَذَلِكَ ذَسْ يَجْعَلُ اللَّهُ Allah places a rijs, a filth عَلَى الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ On those people who don't believe. What filth? Meaning this is a consequence of their own deeds. This is a consequence of their own deeds that they begin to suffocate when the Qur'an is mentioned. They feel uncomfortable when the deen is spoken of. When the truth is explained, they feel they're going to die. When they're told to recite the Qur'an, it's as though they're being told to hold their breath for 20 minutes and kill themselves. This is how they feel. كَأَنَّمَا يَصَعَدُ فِي السَّمَاءِ كَذَلِكَ يَجْعَلُ اللَّهُ الرِّجْسَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ So what do we learn in this ayah? The signs of guidance and the signs of misguidance. What are the signs of guidance? That a person's heart is open to Islam. Every command, every ayah, every ruling, no problem. It's from my Allah, it's from my Lord, I accept it. He's comfortable with everything of the Qur'an and Sunnah. He's okay with it. He doesn't worry. And you know, sometimes you come across some statements of the Prophet ﷺ or some statements in the Qur'an. And they don't make 100% sense to you in the sense that you are not able to fully comprehend it. Why? perhaps due to your limited knowledge, or because it's a completely different thing that you've never heard of, so you don't know how to understand it. And one is that it just bothers a person. But what does it mean? And why is it like this? And why did the Prophet ﷺ say this? And the other is, okay, he said it, and there must be some khair in it. Yes, there has to be goodness in it. I don't get it, but I accept it. This is a sign of what? Guidance. يَشْرَحْ صَدْرَهُ Islam. Check yourself. Ask yourself over here. Are there certain commands, certain things about the religion, which when I hear about, I'm like, why? Why? If we are feeling like this, then there is a problem. Ask Allah for guidance. 
Ask Allah to increase you in your guidance. Ask Allah to expand your chest for you. Expand your understanding. Open up your heart. Open up your heart so that you can accept it. Islam should be your mindset. That really sounds really good. You know, Islam should be mindset. Whatever is the command, we have to follow it. Yes. So this is a sign of what? Of sharh sadr. And if a person is not comfortable with one thing and another thing, and then another thing bothers him, another thing doesn't make any sense to them, then there's a problem with the sadr. Ask Allah to open your heart for you. You know when you say, Rabbishrahli sadri, then you know, bring this meaning to your heart. That, oh Allah, open my heart so that I'm able to accept whatever you say, whatever you command. You know, my limited brain, my limited knowledge, I can't comprehend these things myself. I need that from you. You grant this comfort to me. You know, like the Prophet ﷺ, when he signed the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, when he made it with the Mushrikeen, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, some Muslims were very upset. I thought, why? Why? Why do we have to compromise? And Umar anhu, in fact, he was very upset at that time. And later on, he would regret that why was I not comfortable with it? Because if the Prophet ﷺ decided it, then I should have been okay with it. But we see that there were other companions who accepted. And amongst them was the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, Umm Salama. The Prophet ﷺ told the people, open up your ihram, we're not going for Umrah, we're going to go back. And nobody did it. Imagine. The people who would run to obey the Prophet ﷺ, he told them, come out of the state of ihram, and they're just sitting there. So sad and upset over what had happened. So Umm Salama told the Prophet ﷺ, why don't you take off your ihram and the other people will follow. So they followed him when he did it. So we see that at certain times, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us to show to us you know, where we stand, what the level of our iman is. Uh, sometimes the salat become heavy like yes. uh, for any reason. Maybe you are in hurry, maybe guest is coming, maybe something happening. So that time, remember, the salat is heavy. Say, Billah, ask Allah to make your sadr open. Yes. So, because it's, it's not a good sign. Yes, it's not a good sign. And likewise, women sometimes, they have a huge problem with men. Like, why is it that they have this right? And how come I don't have this right? And why am I supposed to listen to my husband? Yes. Assalamu alaikum. I just wanted to say that uh, true guidance is guidance where you follow whatever you're being told. It's not one where you pick and choose what yes. works for you and you just toss the rest out. And we, we did the, the ayah yesterday about um, being guided, being as if we have nur on us yes. and we're walking around and we're a light for ourselves and people around us. It's very important to keep that in mind that we have to follow whatever the rule is. Yes. Assalamu alaikum. I think nowadays what one of the biggest issues that we're taught at school and even in this society is that when you see something or you hear about something, you're taught to question it, right? If it's science, you question why, how, where are the five whys and whatnot. And it's been incorporated us in such a way that now even with our deen and our religion, we question a lot. Whereas in some matters we should ask to increase our knowledge, but in many matters we should just blindly trust in Allah. So that whole thing of even with your parents, let's say if parents tell you not to go somewhere, we question it. We don't trust our parents and later on realize, yeah, there was a wisdom behind it. So this whole thing of trusting something blindly, trusting somebody blindly, it's almost been like taken out of our society these days. Yes. And we see that 
asking questions in our deen is something that is permissible as long as it is related to your actions and your understanding. I mean, if there is a reason behind you asking a question, then it's actually encouraged. Because the Prophet ﷺ, for example, at Hajj, he told the people, ask me, ask me if there is anything you want to know, anything that's unclear to you. Because I don't know if I'm going to be with you the next year. So the people, they asked him so many questions. Why? To understand what to do, how to do, why to do. It's necessary to understand. However, there's two ways or reasons behind asking. One is to ask so that really you can understand, so that you can comprehend, you can apply. And it is with iman, with tawakkul, with you know yaqeen, with trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah has commanded it, yes, it is 100% true. It is 100% relevant, 100% applicable, 100% beneficial. However, I would also like to know the wisdom. And what happens is that when you ask in this way, if at the end of the day you don't understand the wisdom, you still accept. Do you know what I mean? When you ask, you don't fully get it, but you're like, yeah, I accept it still. I hope Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will increase me in my understanding. And the other is, that a person asks, you know, with objection. That how come? And why? And why not? And why like this? And why like that? It is without faith. So one is to ask with iman. And the other is to ask without iman. So we have to make sure that every time we ask a question, it is with trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is with trust in Allah. And every time we try to research something in the religion, understand something better in the religion, it is with Iman. And what will tell you that yes, you are asking the question in the correct way, you are researching this matter with the correct approach, when you are asking Allah for guidance and understanding. You know, Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan. Oh Allah, you show the truth to us as the truth. You're asking Allah. You're not asking only people. Because people, what can they tell you? But Allah is the one who will give you the correct understanding. وَهَذَا And this, صِرَاطُ path رَبِّكَ Of your Lord. مُسْتَقِيمَ Straight. This is the straight path of your Lord. What? The path showed by the Qur'an. The path on which Muhammad wasallam was. قَدْ in fact فَصَّلْنَا We have detailed, we have explained in detail. الْآيَاتِ The signs. لِقَوْمٍ For a people. يَذَّكَّرُونَ They remember. They take a lesson. They take heed. Meaning the signs are evident. It's clear. But who will benefit? People who remember, people who take a lesson, people who bother to pay attention. And if a person doesn't want to take a lesson, then no matter what is presented, they're not going to get it. Lahum, for them, for who? For the people who remember, for those who take a lesson, for those who accept the right path and who follow it, for them is Darus Salam, home of the peace. Where? In the near Rabbihim, their Lord. They will be granted the home of peace near their Lord. Wahua and He will be, meaning their Lord will be waliyuhum, their friend. Why? Bima because of what kanu they used to yarmalun they would do, because of what they used to do. What will they get? Home of peace. Where? Near their Lord. Who will be their friend? Their Lord. Allah will be their friend. What is Darussalam? Jannah. 
Because this dunya, does it have salam in it? Does it have peace in it? And by peace I mean permanent peace? Never. You could go to the country which is supposed to be the most peaceful. Right? But still there will be times when people are afraid. Right? For example, Makkah. Makkah. That is a city that is baladan aminan. A secure and safe city. But yes, there are times, there are moments when certain individuals, they feel afraid. Right? Why? Because at the end of the day, yes, it is a very secure and peaceful place on earth. But at the end of the day, it is where? On the earth. And the earth, this dunya is not perfect. Every positive thing in this world, it is not perfect. It is incomplete. Where is perfection? In the home of the hereafter. People search for peace in this world. Right? But the reality is that you cannot find it in this world. Where will you find it? In the hereafter. Because the home of the hereafter, Jannah, that is Darus Salam. How is it Darus Salam? Because when a person is in the Darus Salam, then he will not have any fear. He will not have any problems. He will not have any worry. لا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون. They will not have stress about anything. What causes stress in this world? Even if you're in your house, what brings you stress? I have to pay the bill. Right? This is what people are stressed out about. They have a dream house, but still they're stressed out. Why? Because they have to pay all those bills. Whether it is the telephone or the internet or whatever it is. They cannot be a hundred percent happy and comfortable even in their own house. What else causes you stress in the house of this world? This is not here. That is not here. This needs to be fixed. That needs to be improved. Right? This is not working. This is the reality of the houses of this world, the homes of this world. Or there is a list of things for you to do. Correct? Whether it is that you have to fix your closet or you have to do the dishes and you think that yes, all the dishes are done, the house is perfectly clean, but it will only last like that for how many hours? Perhaps not even one hour. Right? Why? Because the moment you load the dishwasher, turn it on, the sink is clear, then you get yourself a glass of water. And now that glass needs to be washed. Hmm? And you dried up the counter, the sink is sparkling nice and clean. And then what happens? You are the one who's putting that glass in the sink. Right? Okay. So we call this world Hayat al-Dunya because dunya is something that's nearer, that's lesser, and it's lower. Yes. Uh, so obviously it's not going to be perfect. Exactly. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be inferior compared to the home of the hereafter. And people try to you know, do different things to, in order to have a peaceful house or a house in which they are stress-free. Let's say even a dishwasher, right? That will relieve you of the stress of washing dishes by hand, right? However, somebody has to load it. Somebody has to unload it. It can get, you know, problems and it will have to be fixed. So no matter how automatic you try to make your life, right? And your house, it's still imperfect, it is still imperfect. It will still bring you worry. It will still stress you out. And the problem is that the more perfect you have something in this world, 
the more stressful you become about it. Is that true? Yes. Because if you have you know, a really nice table, right, that is finished really nicely, really good wood, polished really perfectly, it looks lovely, amazing. But then you're stressed out. Okay, what if somebody puts their keys on it? What if somebody scratches its surface? Right? You have guests over and at the same time, you're concerned about your perfect table. You painted your wall so nice and then there are children coming over and you're stressed out. They're going to ruin my paint. They're going to ruin my clean walls. Right? So this is the reality of this dunya. And you could have the most perfect house. But if your neighbors are not good, can you have peace? No. If your neighbors drink in the night, let's say in their garage, and you're trying to sleep in your house, and you hear them screaming and making funny noises and saying weird things, can you sleep in peace? Never. If you happen to be close to an airport, can you sleep in peace? No. In Jannah, Surah Al-Ghashiyah, Ayah 11, we learned, لَا تَسْمَعُ فِيهَا لَغِيَةِ You will not hear in Jannah any disturbing noise. Any unsuitable speech. To the people of Jannah, they will really be in the home of peace. And the best thing, with their Lord, in the Rabbihim. Because Jannatul Firdaus, it is right beneath the Arsh of Ar-Rahman. It is the closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So imagine having great neighbors. Imagine. And What's mentioned over here? Inna Rabbihim. They will be close to Allah, their Lord. If you know that somebody really nice lives in the same city, you feel so good. Yeah, they live in the same city as I live. And if you find out they live in the same neighborhood, if you find out they live in the same street, how amazing that is. The closer they are to you, the more amazing it is. So Inna Rabbihim. Like in Surah Al-Qamar we learn, عِنْدَ مَلِيكٍ مُقْتَدِرٍ They will be near the king who is muqtadir, all capable. وَهُوَ وَلِيُّهُمْ And the best part, he will be their friend. Imagine there's someone really good, they live close to you, and on top of that, you're friends with them, or they're friends with you. How great that would be. وَهُوَ وَلِيُّهُمْ But who gets this honor? Who gets this honor? Not everybody. بِمَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Because of what they used to do. This is the time to do something in order to be close to Allah, in order to be of the muqarrabin on the Day of Judgment. Those who are close to Allah, brought near to Him. Let's listen to the recitation. وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَا فِي كُلِّ قَرْيَةٍ أَكَابِرَ مُجْرِمِيهَا لِيَمْكُرُوا فِيهَا وَمَا يَمْكُرُونَ إِلَّا بِأَنفُسِهِمْ وَمَا يَشْعُرُونَ وَإِذَا جَاءَتْهُمْ آيَةٌ قَالُوا لَن نُؤْمِنَ حَتَّى نُؤْتَى مِثْلَ مَا أُوْتِيَ رُسُلُ اللَّهِ الله أعلم حيث يجعل رسالته سيصيب الذين أجرموا صغار عند الله وعذاب شديد 
Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.